I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned
Savior is Jesus, my Savior. I was thinking about the old song we used to sing growing up. The longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. If you have your Bibles this morning, please open to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll be in chapter 3 some as well. And we'll also be in a passage in 2 Corinthians. And I'll let you know when we get to that point. But we're finishing up our series we've called Ships and we're setting sail one last time today. And this time we're sailing on the good ship, stewardship. Stewardship. Now I know what some of you are probably thinking already. Uh-oh. Stewardship. Here it comes. The preacher is going to tell us we need to be giving more money to the church because he's preaching on stewardship. It reminds me of a story that I uh, read uh, this past week. Two men were, were marooned on an island and one man was there and was nervous, pacing back and forth and scared. And the other man was just there relaxing, sunning himself, just like, like he was on vacation. And the first man said to the second man, aren't you afraid that we're about to die? And the man there sunning himself, he looks up and said, no. He said, I make $10,000 a week and I tie faithfully to my church every week. The pastor will find me. Now listen, I'm going to set your heart and mind at ease this morning. While money is involved when it comes to stewardship, stewardship is not just about money. Stewardship is so much broader than that. And so in the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about this subject of stewardship. I want to examine the Scripture. And I want us to learn together. And I want us to understand what the Bible says about this whole idea of stewardship and what does it all encompass and what does it mean to our lives on a day-to-day basis. And so you're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I hope. And I want you to look at just the first two verses uh, to get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It said, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It's required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now, I need to let you know right away that if you're a Christian... If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, you are a steward. You're a steward. Now, the real issue, though, is we don't uh, really use that word a lot. And so it begs the question, what is a steward? We don't talk about stewards a lot in our society, do we? Well, it's a good biblical word. We just read it there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And it has the idea, for our understanding, of a manager. Now, we understand a manager, right? Uh, You know what a manager does. In fact, if you have a problem somewhere, what do you often do? You say, I'd like to speak to the manager. I'd like to speak to the one who's in charge. A manager looks out over and takes care of those things that are entrusted to him or her. It doesn't belong to them. They're just managing it. I used to be a shift manager at McDonald's when I was in Bible college, and I I worked for a while the late shift. I think I went in about uh, 6 at night and got up about 2 in the morning. We only closed an hour. We were at McDonald's by a Greyhound bus station. But I was a shift manager for a little while at McDonald's. And you know what? I didn't own the Big Macs. I just made sure that they were made and sold. They weren't mine. I was just there to help manage the affairs that were going on. And this is the truth that we need to grasp. We are not owners. We are stewards. We are managers. God owns everything. We own nothing. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So He's the Creator. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Exodus 19.5 Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth, the Lord says, is mine. Job, we looked at um, Job recently in our Sunday school, didn't we? Job 41, verse 11. Uh, God speaking said, Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. Your house... It's His. Your car or truck parked in the parking lot? It's His. That beautiful dress or nice suit that you're wearing this morning, whatever the case may be, the clothing on your back, same deal, it's His. The money that's in our wallet or our purses, it's not ours, it's His. And He not only owns all the stuff, Christian, He owns us as well. We talked a little bit about lordship in an earlier message. He owns us as well. We're bought with a price, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. We know that we're His by right of creation. He's the Creator. We're the created. But He's also uh, our Redeemer. And so we're His by redemption. Now, God owns it all. But here's the neat thing. Here's the cool thing about it. He allows us to manage it. Have you ever been in a position where you were going to put someone over what you're in charge of. Maybe you were a higher-up executive or a manager. When you look for others to manage whatever it was that you were in charge of, you're very careful about who you choose, aren't you? Because you give it to the wrong person, um, you can get in serious trouble because they may not make wise choices. But think about this. The God of all the earth, Almighty God, He's chosen... Now think about this. This is going to bless you. He's chosen to entrust all the things that are His to you and to me. Think about that for a moment. Um, you have been entrusted by God. And that's an awesome thought. You and I have been entrusted by God. Take a moment and consider all that's been placed under your care. Not just money, not just stuff, not just you know, material possessions. That's certainly included. And that's where most people focus. But we're, we're broadening this. This is more than just possessions and money. God is giving you time. God has given you life. God has given you talents and abilities and giftings. If you're a child of God, you've been given a spiritual gift, at least one, maybe more. And God has entrusted those things to you. God has given you a body. Everybody here today, as far as I can see, has a body. God has given you that body. We've talked about it at length, what we're to do with our bodies. God has given you a measure of health. You say, well, I wish I had more. Well, God's given you a measure of health. And we're healthy enough to be here today. Can I just say, that is a blessing within itself. One of the blessings that I have in my life is I have to go to the hospital a lot in nursing facilities. And I'm constantly reminded as I walk through the halls and go from room to room, I'm blessed to be going in and coming out. I'm just there to visit. God's given us a measure of health. God may have given you a spouse. You have a husband or a wife. Maybe He's given children to you or grandchildren. He's given you a family, other family members. You might have a job. Maybe you're still employed and you're working. 
Uh, maybe you've reached the retirement years. And so God has given you time in retirement. And all these things that have been entrusted to you, God has placed them under your care. They're gifts from God and they're to be managed for God. And when you think about all of that and you think about all that God has given to us, it ought to lead us to be thankful, hasn't it? It ought to lead us to be a grateful people, to realize, God, you bless me in so many ways. You've entrusted me with so much. I don't deserve any of it. I didn't even earn any of it. It's by your grace. All I earned, all I deserve is hell. Because I'm a wretched sinner, but you love me so much. You gave Christ to die in my place. He shed His precious blood. He was buried and rose again. And you have adopted me and made me a child of God by grace through faith in Christ. You made me an heir and joint heir with Christ. You've given me a home in heaven. And then you've blessed me abundantly here with all these things that you've entrusted to my care. In fact, when you think about stewardship, it should cause us to, to tackle things differently. Now, this will be an encouragement to you. And you'll need to remember this because I have to remember it too. When you have to clean the house, isn't that fun? You're not just cleaning a house or your house. You're, you're cleaning a house that belongs to the Lord. When you've uh, got to wash and wax the car, you're not, you're not just washing and waxing any old car. You're washing and waxing car that is the Lord's. Uh, when you're in the throes of parenting and the challenges of parenting, you're not just parenting some kids. You're parenting kids for Jesus. He entrusted them to your care. When you're at the job and it's a rough day and it's a hard day, or you're at school, man, it's a tough class. You're not just tackling that on, you know, just for any old reason. You're laboring for the Lord Jesus. Because He's put you where He has you. He's entrusted those things to you. And He wants you to do them for His glory. And so, if you're a child of God, you're a steward. Alright? You're a steward. And you've been entrusted by God. And that's a pretty serious responsibility. And so, what's the next lesson? Well, we read about it here. We know that you must be faithful. I must be faithful. You notice it says there, right, in chapter 4, verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards. It's not an option. It's not an add-on. It's not, a, you know, a optional accessory. It's required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now, let's set the stage for this. Can we just back up a chapter? Go back to chapter 3, and let's read down verses 1 through 9. All right? Look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. And everybody starts out as a babe in Christ, by the way, no matter what their physical age is, but we're supposed to mature and grow. Verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal, you're immature. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Verse 4. For when one says, I am of Paul, another, I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, 
nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. What Paul is saying here, listen, Apollos and Paul, we're on the same team. We're laborers together with the Lord. But they were kind of fussing about who's the better one. I'm, I'm with Apollos and I'm with Paul. And Paul says, listen, it doesn't matter about Paul. It doesn't matter about Paulus. It's all about God. God is the one who gives the increase. And then we come to chapter 4, and he's still addressing this whole idea about who's the best preacher, who's the one I'm going to follow, who's the best minister. And that's when we come to chapter 4, the verses we already read, verses 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. Paul is speaking here of being faithful to proclaiming the truth, the mysteries of Christ. And he says it's vital that he be faithful, that a steward be faithful. He had been faithful to God's calling on his life and uh, faithful to proclaim the truth entrusted to him. And I think we can apply this principle to our lives as well. We've got to be faithful to God's calling on our life. Now, the neat thing about it is God has entrusted different things to us. God has entrusted to me, the pastorate of this church. God has entrusted to you whatever it is that God's placed under your care. But we all share in this. We're all to be faithful. We're all to be faithful. Uh, Buck Parsons said a bad steward, a bad steward is actually oxymoronic. That's a fun word. Oxymoronic. He says, in other words, a bad steward is no steward at all. Because the steward has not cared for that which is placed under his care. Now, that's certainly something to think about. But we need God's help. We need God's enablement to be faithful, don't we? Because life is tough. And the assignments that God gives us, they're tough at times, aren't they? And so we need God's strength. We need his help. We need his direction. Because we're stewards. And as stewards, we ultimately answer to one in the end. We answer to God Himself. And our goal is to please Him. Our goal is to do faithfully what He's called us to do. Are you still in 1 Corinthians 4? Let's keep reading. Look at what Paul said next. Beginning there at verse 3. 1 Corinthians 4, 3. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. Now, the next sentence is really interesting. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Keep reading verse 4. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, verse 5, and by the way, this is an important truth, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts that each one's praise will come from God. Paul said, listen, you can't truthfully judge my work. You can't truthfully judge my ministry. Even I can't. Only God and God alone can. You know, I don't know about you, but I've even wrestled at times with them. my motivation. I'm even wrestling. I want to do the right thing, but I wrestle and, and, and pride and this and that and go back and forth. He's like, God, I really, really want to do this for your glory. But even we have a hard time saying, well, what did I do that was truly for God's glory? What did I do that was for my own glory? We've got to remind you that what he's talking about here 
He speaks about the judgment seat of Christ in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Now, let me remind you, the judgment seat of Christ, every Christian is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's not about salvation. Your salvation is forever settled at the foot of the cross when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are, you're given eternal life. So the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment about whether are you saved or you're lost. That's forever settled at Calvary when you place your faith in Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is all about rewards. Rewards. In fact, look with me. If you've got your Bible there, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Then we'll come back to 1 Corinthians 3. So put a marker or your finger there in 1 Corinthians 3. We're coming back. But go to 2 Corinthians 5. The judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. So we're always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, yes, well, please rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Therefore, verse 9, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, here or there, to be well-pleasing to Him. Look at verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, you've got your fingers still in 1 Corinthians 3. Flip it back over. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. Paul writing says, We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, the apostles, the gospel, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation could anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What's the foundation of our faith? Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. Now notice as he keeps uh, writing there, you're still in 1 Corinthians 3, he's going to present two different types of building materials. Look at verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation, Jesus Christ, our faith, with gold, silver, precious stones, that's one type, Wood, hay, and straw. Which would you rather have? Say, I'm a farmer. I'd rather have the straw. No, 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 no. How about in life? Wood, hay, stubble, or straw, or gold, silver, and precious stones? Verse 13. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, the day that we stand before the Lord, the judgment seat, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, if you put fire to that first group, gold, silver, precious stones, and you put fire to the second group, wood, hay, and straw, what's going to happen? That second group's going to burn up. It's going to be gone. It says in the next verse, verse 14, if anyone's work which he's built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer a loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Say, so, preacher, what does all that mean? It means that God's going to look at our works, what we did with our lives. And the things that we did for Jesus, we're going to be rewarded for those. And the things that we didn't, they're going to burn up. They don't amount to nothing.
And imagine standing before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and watching the majority of what you spent your time on go up in flames. It's a reminder. It's a warning. It's a caution. All that we do, we're to do for Jesus. This is not just about teaching Sunday school, although if you teach Sunday school, it's included. It's about your whole life. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. You give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. You minister. You do these things for Jesus because you're His manager. You're His child. You're the one that's stewarding the things He's given to you. And I'm convinced, of course, beloved, that the rewards that we're given, we're not going to go around saying, look at my crown. We're going to take any rewards we're given and cast them at the feet of the Lord Jesus who alone is worthy of all praise, glory, adoration, and honor. And I don't know about you, but I want to be there today. And I, and I want to receive some. I want, I want my life to count. And I know you want your life to count. And you want to be rewarded for what you do for the Lord Jesus. And one of the best ways we can do that is to practice this whole idea of stewardship. Imagine we lived every day with these three truths in our mind. Number one, I'm a steward. I'm a steward. I'm God's steward. I'm a manager. And, and furthermore... I'm going to remember this. I've been entrusted by God. These things that I've been given, these responsibilities, these roles, this job, these possessions, this money, all these things, this has been entrusted to me by God. It's a heavenly assignment. I'm to use them for His honor and His glory and His work. And furthermore, with God's help, I must be faithful. I'm going to keep on caring for these things. As He strengthens me, as He gives me enablement, as He gives me wisdom, I'm going to use these things for His honor and His glory. And if I live like that every day, and I wake up remembering that I am a manager. I'm a steward. God has given me these things and I'm to use them for His glory. If I live that way, if you live that way, it'll change your whole life. To realize, beloved, you're not just doing stuff and spending time and wasting time. You're managing things for the King of kings and Lord of lords. I read a story this past week, or when I was preparing the message, rather, uh, when John F. Kennedy, he visited NASA. This is many years ago, obviously. And he saw a janitor there at NASA mopping the floor. And JFK looked at this janitor and he asked him what his job was at NASA. And the, the janitor said this. He said, I'm helping to send a man to the moon. And he was. Mopping the floor. I'm helping to send a man to the moon. That's quite a wonderful outlook, but it's a true outlook. When I realize that my life is so much more than just this nine to five. It's so much more than just this little area. But I'm involved. I'm a fellow worker with God. Reminds me of the bricklayers. A traveler came upon three men working. He asked the first man what he was doing and he said he was laying bricks. He asked the second man what he was doing and he said he was putting up a wall. And he came to the third man who was there laying bricks and he asked him what he was doing and he said he was building a cathedral. Now, beloved, that's quite an outlook, isn't it? You're not just laying bricks. You're not just putting up a wall. You're building a cathedral. So I ask you, what are you doing? What are you doing with the things that God has entrusted to you? Are you managing the Lord's affairs for His honor and His glory? If so, don't grow weary, dear friends. He's watching. He knows. And He will reward your faithfulness. I read a story about a woman. And she, was, uh, she finished her shopping. She returned to her car. And she found four men inside it. Four men inside her car. Well, you can imagine the fear and the things that came upon her mind, but she dropped her shopping bags. She drew a handgun from her purse. 
And with a forceful voice, she said, I have a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of the car. And listen, those four men, they didn't wait a second. They didn't wait for a second invitation. They got out and ran like crazy. Well, this lady, she's obviously visibly shaken and, and she's upset and she quickly loaded her shopping bags in the car. And she, got, she just wanted to get out of there as fast as she could. You know, what if those guys come back? But no matter how hard she tried, she could not get the key in the ignition and then it hit her. This is not my car. <laughs> it's not my car. And she looked around and her car was parked four or five spaces away. So she got out of the car, she looked around to see if the men were near, she loaded the bags in her own car, and she drove to the police station to turn herself in. <laughs> the desk sergeant who was there after hearing her story nearly fell out of his chair laughing, and he pointed to the other end of the counter, and there were four men <laughs> who reported a carjacking by a woman with glasses and curly white hair, less than five feet tall, carrying a handgun. Now, thankfully for that dear woman, no charges were filed. But can I just ask you, how many times are we like that little old lady? We act like it's ours. But guess what, beloved? It's not our car. It's not our house. It's not our stuff. It belongs to God. And today... We need to come and turn ourselves in. We're guilty. We turn ourselves in. It's not mine. It's yours, oh God. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. Thank You for Your love. Thank You for entrusting us with so much. Father, I pray if anybody here does not know the Lord Jesus as their own Savior, this will be the moment where Your Holy Spirit works in their life and You bring them to saving faith in Christ alone. And then, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for myself that Your Holy Spirit would search our hearts and, and put His finger on any area that we're trying to hold on to. Any area we're saying, my, my, my. But today we would come and say, Lord, it's not mine. You, you taught us that this morning in Sunday school with Abraham and Isaac. When you put into that test, where he said, I let go. I'm willing to let go. I let go of my beloved son. And so, Lord, I pray, whatever you're speaking to hearts and lives this morning, that we would respond in obedience and faith. Lord, I pray that after considering these truths today, we'd never be the same again, but our lives would be totally changed and our outlook changed and worry would be gone realizing these are not our things, they're yours. And that we're just a manager. We love you and praise you and we ask now for your blessing on this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. 294 is our closing hymn. The altar is open. If you need to come pray to be saved today, I'd love to talk with you. If you want to come and pray today about something, and talk to the Lord. Surrender. We'd love to have you come. You can come pray on your own. Just come and kneel if you... Want me to pray with you? We'd love to do that. 294, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Let's stand together and sing. You come as God leads.